they are naturally entering a phase of life where they are trying to become more independent from their mm-hmm. parents. And mm-hmm. we are becoming less of an authority and more of a coach. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. Do you have a child who is in the alpha generation or is a teenager? Then you have some really distinct challenges. And I welcome you back to this conversation with Janine McNally. Today is a continuation of the last two weeks, and we're talking about hope. We're talking about practical ideas that will help you. And we're talking about building the foundation. I hope you will get a lot out of this. And just to let you know, this is a longer podcast because there was more material and I didn't want to extend into another week after this. I wanted this to finish it up. So please hang in there with me and listen to the end because there are some great messages. In the show notes, I have for you some links to some really helpful things such as conversation starters and conversation tactics. So we're going to hop on in and begin talking to Janine now. Janine, we have been sharing a lot of doom and gloom. It's been kind of depressing what we've been talking about. And I just want to be sure that we're not discouraging parents. And sure. Yeah. Where can, where can parents find hope for everything going on? What is there hope? Well, we know there is, but, but how do parents find it? when they're just feeling overwhelmed? I think going back to the basics, there is always hope, hope in the Lord, and just making sure that your marriage is strong, investing in each other, and spending time talking and praying together from that healthy foundation of marriage, thinking through and being deliberate about how we're going to raise our children. What do we do when this scenario happens? How do we discipline them when this scenario happens? When we had our our two youngest ones, we were very deliberate, for example, to avoid discipline when we were angry with our children. And we talked about it and said, if you're angry, I will take over. We were incredibly deliberate and we we tried to be on the same page so we were consistent. And I do think that if you have consistency at home and intentionality, in terms of, like we talked about before, formal and informal uh, discipleship with your children, then I do think there's hope. To me, finding a way to protect your children from the worst of the worst while they're too young to cope, but gradually introducing the ideas that are out there and preparing them for when they do end up out in the world in whatever capacity that might be, and, and just continually rely on the Lord to help you. Parenting has always been extremely challenging, extremely rewarding, and extremely challenging. And I said that to my daughter this morning as she was wrestling with her twins. Both of them were crying and she was trying to make food. And she goes, Mom, I feel like a failure. I said, Mm -hmm. everybody does as you're raising your children. There are always going to be those hard times. I said, you pick yourself up, you keep on going. You're not a failure, but tomorrow's a new day. 
as Anne of Green Gables says, with no mistakes in it yet. And you just keep moving forward, talk together with your spouse, formulate your plan and do your best to stick to that plan as, as you make your way through this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I like to go back, I think sometimes just to the mindset that who is really in control here? Mm-hmm. It's God. God is still in control of the world. And even though things look bad, when we have the Holy Spirit guiding us from day to day, and we know that we have a God who's really in control, and we just lean into that rather than push it away, mm-hmm. I feel like for me at those toughest of times, leaning into the Lord, leaning into listening to what he has to say through the Spirit or whatever yep. is biblical, you know, listening to what he has to say through his word, through the Spirit. Those are things that kind of keep me going. And then I do also the things that you were mentioning too. I mean, you just, it's a, it's a package, isn't it? It's yes. A, it's yes. a whole package. So I don't think you can do any, anything that I've been talking about. You can't do unless you have that foundational package in place with the Lord. Yeah, exactly. We were talking before about that show, the parent test and the 12 different styles of parenting that this TV show was evaluating. Mm-hmm. And I don't hear what your personality is and how you decide you want to parent, it needs to come from that foundation mm-hmm. or it will never be successful. Mm-hmm. So I kind of assume that that has to be in place, especially in today's world. It's, it's just difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think parents out there aren't necessarily assuming it. I think we kind of assume it because we've walked through it and seen both ways maybe. But I think parents, they forget. I think they're forgetting oftentimes, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of get wrapped up into their feelings, their emotions, their frustrations. Mm -hmm. Yep. The parent test. I haven't seen it. I think it would be really interesting to watch it. But each one of those approaches to parenting, I found myself doing a little bit of each of them. There are times when I was more merciful and I didn't come down hard on them. There's times that were really strong. There were times that I let them just totally relax and decide some things themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that to be a little bit of all of them is maybe a good way to go as long as you have the foundation. Exactly. Yes. And I think our personalities come through in the way we parent. Uh, for me, I am very type A and my weakness was probably being like a tiger parent, push, mm-hmm. push, pushing. And my husband's the opposite. So he kept saying, no, no, let's slow down. And so he helped to balance my personality out with that. Everybody has different personalities. So to say one is right and one is not, to me, is wrong. And the the show is not doing that. It's trying to see which in their mind is the most effective. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, the most effective parenting is when your children grow up to love the Lord. Yeah. And obviously they're not looking for that characteristic. So that comes back to the foundation. Right, right. Very good. Very good. Okay, Janine, you've done a lot of study about the teenager. Can you define that term teenager for us? For me, it would be preteens, children primarily in fourth and fifth grade, maybe even as early as third grade now when they start to enter puberty. It's an interesting time if you were to do a brain scan of children who are 10, 11, 12 years of age. Their brain scans 
are actually very similar to that of a two to three-year-old. There's a lot of neurological growth going on during that time as they get mm -hmm. ready for adulthood. Their brains become malleable again. So they are very receptive, very open. They're much more receptive again to the gospel. There's a term that psychologists throw around. It's called cognitive pruning. It's a time when these children go through cognitive pruning, trying to decide what is worth remembering and what can I discard? What is true? What is not true? What is helpful? What is a waste of time? They begin to develop the ability to think more abstractly. And our role as parents during that time needs to begin to transition that transition that will last for the next eight years of becoming more of a coach rather than an authority figure as you allow them to make decisions and see the consequences and make discoveries. They're not children anymore. Mm -hmm. So they are definitely changing. And that, that term cognitive pruning in my mind is a little scary to think that at that point they may prune the Lord out of their lives because they're not seeing the value in, in walking with him at that point in their time, in their lives. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I had four daughters and as you might imagine, those years were very emotional, probably hormonal, but mm -hmm. lots of emotion. So here they are trying to do this cognitive pruning mm -hmm. based on some of their emotions. So they do need guidance at this yes. point. They're yeah, very much. A lot of guidance, but it's a different kind of guidance. What do you think yes. the guidance should look like? Oh, it's hugely different. Mm -hmm. You want to sit down with them and throw out an issue and say, what do you think about this? Instead mm -hmm. of saying, I think our mission project should be da-da-da-da-da, say, this is the stuff that's going on in our community. What do you think we should do to help these people? And let them start to think about it. They are mm -hmm. very experiential, very hands-on, and at home with them as we parent them. Again, it comes back to being deliberate, you know, Bring up the topic of children at school who expressing themselves with a different gender. Talk about it before it even becomes an issue. Let them think through it and say, do you have any questions about that? Bullying, online bullying at school. Do you have friends who are being bullied? Are you feeling bullied? If you see friends who are being bullied, what can you do about that to help them? Like actually bringing up some of these issues with them during this time as their brains are thinking through, I think one of the biggest mistakes we can do as parents and at church is to leave our teaching just with the biblical stories. For example, teaching them the story of Noah. How do we translate that from being just a story into being something which is relevant in their life? And I, I talk all the time about saying to the kids, how do you think Noah felt when the town was laughing at him? Do you have situations at school where maybe the kids are laughing at you? And how can we make the story become relevant to their actual real lives? That's what the schools are doing. And as they talk about, you know, their worldview, they're aggressively teaching and pushing their worldview. We need to bring up these issues and talk about them with our kids and before they get thrown to the wolves and cognitively prune everything we've tried to teach them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that input that we give, then what you're saying is going to come through communication. 
yes, sitting and talking. Absolutely. As mm-hmm. parents, that's what we need to be doing as parents. We need to sit for a couple times a day even and just have nothing else distracting. There are a lot of resources out there and you could even Google them. Conversation starters, print them out on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and have them at the dinner table and mm-hmm. pull just one of them out every evening mm-hmm. and use that as a way to, again, be deliberate about talking about certain issues as they want to watch a movie. I mean, they're getting close to PG-13 time and even PG movies, a lot of them touch on difficult issues towards the movie at an issue and say, what did you think about that? Mm-hmm. And you know, begin to talk about issues with them. That's good. I have a handout called 25 Conversation Starters. I developed it a few years ago. And actually, the podcast, I'm going to be talking about that in part, and that will have aired by this time this airs. So go back right. and look at that at that podcast. I yeah. think it's the podcast on honesty, one of the podcasts on honesty mm-hmm. that is going to air before this one. So go back and look for those 25 Conversation Starters. Yeah, yeah, but don't just look at them, print them out, and put them on your yes. t- on your yes. dinner table. Yeah, yeah it's Be in deliberate. a PDF form. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. in a PDF form. They'll be able to print it out. Yeah. Good. yeah. That's excellent. Good advice. Good advice. Yeah. Okay, so we're the parent, and we have a teenager who comes home from school, and they're just mad. They're angry. Something happened at school, or something is bothering them. We don't know what it is for sure, but they don't want to talk. <laughs> what is your advice? Do you have advice? To, to get them to soften and talk to you. That's tough. It is. It's really tough. What I was saying before, they are naturally entering a phase of life where they are trying to become more independent from their mm-hmm. parents. And mm-hmm. we are becoming less of an authority and more of a coach. I think if we have done a good job up until that point, the hope is that they will feel the love and the concern from us and they won't completely cut us off. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I would be pulling in the godly mentor mm-hmm. that that we had talked about, mm-hmm. finding another couple who maybe can have a bit more of an influence in their life right at this point than what we would. I know that with our children, there are times when I know that there's nothing we can say to help them through a scenario. So we will pray that someone will come along in their life and be that voice mm-hmm. and they'll hear it better from somebody other than a parent. Yeah, to me, that's a that's a tough one because we have to start letting go a little bit at a time very gradually as they're growing up and getting older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the point that you made that if if they've done a good job along the way, it'll be easier. And I think this needs to start when they're very young. I mean, yes. when they first start talking, even possibly at two, yep. begin to sit down and just have conversations that are kind of on their level. Yeah. Yeah. But I was talking to a friend that I know, his name's Jim Weidman. He's an authority in children's ministry. He's written 20 books on children's ministry, 20 plus. And he mm-hmm. talks about as a grandparent, and you could do this with your children too. He said, from the time my grandchildren are babies, every time they come to our house, as they come in the door, I stop, I get down on their level, and I pray with them. He said, mm-hmm. and I've done that from the beginning. So by the time they get to 10, 11, 12, they mm-hmm. know that grandpa's going to do that when I arrive, and it's not unusual, mm-hmm. and they expect it. And, and then what begins to happen is they say, Grandpa, would you pray for my friend? They're really struggling. Like it's, oh. it's an established habit 
that he has done to build into their lives a spiritual element as a grandparent. And I think we can do that with our children. For example, what I said before about being intentional with the formal discipleship from Deuteronomy 6 at bedtime, we always prayed with our kids. And for some reason, they're always very receptive to talking at that point. Mm -hmm. And they should be sleeping, but that's when you get a lot of good conversations. <laughs> Another thing we did was every time we sat down for a meal, before we started eating, they needed to say their memory verse. Even mm -hmm. from the age of two, we bought a resource that I found through the homeschooling world. There were memory verse books, spiral bound books that had the ABCs and everyone went through a letter of the alphabet starting with A and they had different verses and we had that on the dinner table. And we would teach our children memory verses. And when they were babies and couldn't even speak, and they were sitting at the table in their high chair, we would take their little hands and we'd put them together and we would say, First John 4, 8, God is love. And they eventually would go, because they couldn't speak. And then the words would begin to form. But we did that over and over. And then we held their hands and we did a very quick prayer. And that was a habit we did. And they knew as they were three, four, five, six, seven, they weren't going to get to eat till they'd done their memory verse together and we would say it together. So, you know, again, picking out what works for your family, your personality, but be deliberate in instilling these spiritual habits in their life so that when they get to these preteen years, it's not unusual. Okay, let's say our verses mm -hmm. and off they go. A friend of mine does that even to this day when their children are adults, they come over and they still say verses. Every day before they eat. Yeah, you can't wait till they're tweens and decide you're nope. going to start parenting them no, <laughs> at that point. No. Much yeah. harder. Yeah, for sure. Okay, you referred to this a little earlier about how many kids and parents are leaving the church. Mm. Why do you think they're leaving the church and what can we do about it? Oh, this is heartbreaking. Sorry to get mm -hmm. depressing again. But the, the age, we've known for a long time that I think it's 70%, 75% of young adults leave the church after they, after they leave their parents' home, so when they go to college. But unfortunately, what we're seeing, in, especially in George Barner's research, is that the age that they are leaving the church is getting younger. And a lot of it happens during this preteen time when they're cognitively pruning information out of their brains. And... The statistics and the surveys we're seeing is that I mentioned this earlier is that the church from their perspective is irrelevant. It's hypocritical and they don't believe. I talk about the three, these three things in my book and I say, how can we be more relevant? How can we rebuild trust and how can we help them believe again? Relevance is, I think, needed when we begin to address those hard questions. And we don't leave them unanswered. Issues of gender, abortion, suicide, self-harm, shootings, gun violence, wars. It goes on and on and on. We need to discuss those issues because that's what they're facing in their lives right now. And we need to give them answers from a godly perspective because if we don't, they will go elsewhere. They have an entire world in their hands on their phones. They will Google answers, the questions that they have like pornography and the answer they get will not be a godly one. 
Mm-hmm. They can do that anonymously. No one will know that they're doing it. They much prefer to Google those kinds of issues than ask somebody. So therefore, we need to bring it up to them because I don't think they'll come to us and ask them. So that's, for me, the first thing I think about when the church being irrelevant, we need to become relevant again by answering those questions. As for hypocritical, I think we need to rebuild trust. I think we need to, in the church, this is more to do with children's ministry, but we need to be transparent with our safety and security issues. We need to prioritize unity over politics and the the color of the carpet. These kids are seeing churches and leadership arguing over superficial issues, and they say the world is at war and people are dying. How is it the church is not addressing that. We need to start caring for our communities and reaching out and loving on people because that's where their heart is at, this younger generation. And then as for not believing anymore, oh my gosh, this is the most painful of all. What do we do about that? Well, the world is now relative. Everything is relative. If it's good for you, it's okay. You know, what's okay for you is doesn't have to be okay for me. It's okay if it's okay for you. What you believe, if faith, if you think faith is important to you, be my guest. Go for it. It's not for me. We need to somehow reestablish objective truth and a godly worldview again from a very young age because the world is throwing issues and questions at them at the speed of a freight train trying to unravel objective truth. And they're speaking louder than we are, the parents are. We just kind of assume we're going along teaching the story of Noah's Ark and we think, there you go. We've taught the Bible. It should be fine. But with this generation, we need to go that step further and make sure that we answer those hard questions. And unfortunately, with the busyness of, of families now, with their sports and their dance recitals and their other priorities, church attendance and faith have all been pushed to the edge. Mm-hmm. And they go when they can or when they feel like it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a result of how they perceive the church. Mm-hmm. the irrelevance and the hypocritical and not answering the questions that they need to answer. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think they're leaving. We're not demonstrating these kids, they need to experience God for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they are. It's it's all still up in head knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we need to find a way to translate it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The difference between a believer and a non-believer is about 12 inches from their head to their heart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to speak on a heart level mm-hmm. with kids. And for some parents, that's hard. Some parents don't think with their heart. They think only with their head. So mm-hmm. they have to learn. And then others think maybe with their heart too much and don't bring reason into things. But right. Yeah. Yeah. But kids really need, I like what you said, they need God at, into their heart, not just their head. Right. Yeah. Very good. Janine, you have quite a ministry going on with lots of resources and lots of things to help parents and help churches. How can somebody reach you? How can they find you? So yeah, a year ago, I created a nonprofit um, organization called Grace for Kids. It's Grace, the number four, and kids is with a Z. I tried to get Grace for Kids with an S, but that domain name (laughs) had been taken. But so this I is catchy. This is, is catchy. Grace it might kids. be better, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Grace, the number four, and kids with a Z. And I formed Grace for Kids. So, yeah, that's that all began 
from a desire in Matthew 18 and 19, do not forbid them, uh, don't cause them to stumble and let them come. And for me, the way to do that was to prioritize the gospel. Mm-hmm. These kids are so receptive at this point. Most of us are saved before the age of 12. So whatever we did in the church programming, in my opinion, it needed to have the gospel inserted. And so mm-hmm. everything I've created in some way or some form, it teaches the gospel so that these kids mm-hmm. are hearing it all the time. And the, that's the first step to believing it. They need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And from that, now I've finished writing my, my first book, which is due to be released in mid-May. So that will be available. It's all about Generation Alpha. That'll be available on my website and it'll be through all of the usual channels. Great. Great. So we'll leave your web address in the show notes. So if people want to reach you, they can reach you there. Yeah, that'd be great. On the very first page of my website is a free ebook. It's about Mm -hmm. 25 pages long, which is a summary of Generation Alpha, what their Mm -hmm. characteristics are like. And that's a free gift if you go on the front page of my website. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. I highly recommend that parents go there and get that free ebook. That would be great. So. Okay, this has been fabulous, fabulous, and I have totally enjoyed it myself, and I think that our parents are going to gain a lot from it. Do you have any final words for us? I think my final word to a parent would be, ask yourself, where do you want your child to be in 20 years' time? Mm -hmm. Look at the end goal. Think through, what are your priorities? Mm -hmm. Is it a sports scholarship, or is it a child that loves the Lord? And build your parenting around that that priority. I think it's so easy for us to drift through life with its busyness that we forget to be deliberate. And that would be my encouragement to parents is to sit down and think deliberately, where do you want them to be and how are we going to get there? What are we going to do that's different than what we're doing now? Incorporate one of the ideas we've talked about today and introduce it into your family's lifestyle that would be my my final words oh that's excellent so excellent okay well janine thank you so so much and it's been a pleasure to be with you today and hear from you and we will talk again soon thank you Lori. bye bye-bye boy that was sure a lot of jam-packed information and i hope that you're going to be able to get some good takeaways from that be sure to check out the show notes i have a link to janine's website there and there's a link to material i have put together for discipline and for communication so you won't want to miss that and i'm going to keep this short because it's already gone on a long time so be sure to return next week and until then Remember to rest in the Lord this week.